Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 160 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Tarot for Initiation. And my very special guest is Erin Aquarian. Hello, Erin. Welcome. Hi, Teresa. Thanks so much for having me back on the podcast. I am so excited to have you back. You know, the last time we talked, we focused on Tarot for Liberation, and I got so many people writing to me, loving that episode. And you had mentioned that recently you were getting a lot of downloads around the wisdom codes and the major arcana that really triggers our evolution. Um, and so you talked about, with me, behind the scenes about tarot for initiation. And so I love exciting new ways of looking at tarot. I love downloads. And I'm like, oh my God, this, this is cool. So I'd love to talk about this. So can you tell me about these downloads you've been getting? Yeah, well, um, there's sort of a story behind it. Uh, back in 2016, the end of 2015 was when I started teaching tarot workshops and I needed to uh, put a deck, an entire 78 card deck on a poster board so that I could have something to hold up um, in front of a room of students. And I had one of those vertical threefold, like kind of science fair poster boards And that was what I was going to mount the major arcana on. And so I put them in this order that is sort of like a pyramid shape. uh, And that's the way they fit on, on the poster board. And it was through arranging them in this particular order with uh, the magician or the fool and the world on either side. And then, the magician and high priestess on top and then kind of six lines of cards beneath them. And I have visuals for this um, in my workbook that I sent you and um, different, you know, it's like, it's part of my uh, teaching materials that I included a visual so that people know like what order I'm talking about. But um, what came through me studying that uh, arrangement of cards over and over again was really like, oh, this is mapping out like a human developmental timeline um, really clearly and straightforward. And uh, I guess over time, I just get more and more kind of information and insight from reflecting back on the order of the major arcana in this particular position, like as opposed to um, laying out three lines of seven, you know, with the fool on the end. Um, Just different information and different perspective comes through that's very human and um, very much something that we can all relate to and recognize the archetypes as our lived experiences. Um, the, The information and downloads that I started getting from the archetypes were really about um, when they activate for the first time and how that's like an evolution point. An example of this would be um, working with the lover's card and meditation and, and studying it as like a developmental point. Um, 
we typically associate the lovers with falling in love and first love and, and romantic relationships and, and things like that. But it um, gave me an impression of activating at birth because we are vocalizing. And that's like the, the first point where we're experiencing the lover's archetype as an evolutionary process. So all of this stuff is like very like big picture and abstract uh, for me to, I'm still getting used to kind of verbalizing the impressions that I get um, from the, from the majors, but uh, they, they just give me a lot of really lovely messages this way. Like thinking about the lovers as like, you know, the first sounds that we make that evolve into our first words, which evolve into language skill sets, which is the basis for how we communicate verbally, which is how we are in relationship with other humans and other beings on the planet. So it it just kind of like blew up my perspective on a lot of the archetypes uh, beyond interpretations that I have read from other people. It really felt like you know, when you've been working with tarot for a long enough period of time, there's like a point where you get your own set of teachings, sort of like we all have different teachings and perspectives on the cards and they're all valid and helpful to understand and share with each other because back to this idea of tarot for initiation, it's like this tool in a culture that doesn't give us any tools to evolve and to actualize all parts of ourselves and to, you know, step into the bigness of our whole being selves, not just like our programmed, you know, um, in the cultures that we live in selves. Well, I love the idea of tarot, the archetypes for initiation you know, into higher ways of being, higher ways of thinking, higher self, all of that. So um, let me just think about that for a second. You know, how might the high priestess, for example, you know, I, I'd like just like an example or two. How might the high priestess be an initiation? What would that be initiating me into? Well, I think of like the first time we are in the high priestess is when we're in the womb. This is the impression that I got from the high priestess that. Um, you know, the fool represents the eternal self that transcends like lifetime to lifetime that keeps returning to the world to pick up where we left off in the last time to move closer to actualizing whatever our soul's purpose is. And the first character that the fool meets is the magician. And I perceived that as the spark of the moment that we're conceived. And whenever I say that, I also say that I'm not pro- pro-life. Um, I don't necessarily like hold a belief that life begins at conception or whatever. So I have to say that, but, um, uh, I'm pro choice and pro abortion, uh, but that I see the magician as like, that's how all of us who are alive today, that's how we all began as a physical being. And then that's the magician is like this lightning bolt activation of like life begins to exist. It's the Mm -hmm. first manifestation point and then immediately we move into the high priestess which i see as the womb that contains that life form until it's ready to be born into the physical world the empress so 
I see the, and a lot of people associate the high priestess with, you know, the womb. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the two of those archetypes, the magician and the high priestess I see as initiations into our personal power, that they are archetypes of personal power, inner power, and they contain um, wisdom codes, right? And that's Mm -hmm. why I I see tarot as being so empowering and liberating for people is because we're working with these archetypal energies that are unlike uh, most parenting and education that we've received. So I also see the high priestess as being an initiation into many things beyond that. Mm -hmm. But um, I also like thinking of initiation as a process that's not super um, like gatekeeping, uh, Mm -hmm. like where it's like you have to have someone who's initiated initiate you. And there's this sort of like hierarchy of power and wisdom that is dispersed. You know, if you have an initiator or whatever, like I don't believe that um, that is required at this time for us to be accessing like higher wisdom in our, in our fullest intuition. Um, but I see the high priestess as definitely like initiating us into back into relationship with intuition, with spirit, with the ancestral knowledge that dates way back to our pre-empire lineage, um, like pre-colonial traditions, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right now we're in an emperor year and, you know, I did a show on, on this with Shaheen Miro and the emperor year for people who are listening, the way you get that is you add up the year numbers two and we're in 2020 at the time of this recording so two plus zero plus two plus zero comes up with four and four is correlates with the emperor so i'd love to know when we're in a specific year like we're all in this year what kind of initiation can we get through maybe that the whole concept of how might the emperor be initiating all of us this year into something bigger i love this question and i love uh working with the fixed archetypes more than i like drawing cards intuitively at random anymore like i feel like i get so much from looking at life in year cards or the collective year card that like that's pretty much the focus of my work right now um and with the emperor you know it builds off of the high pre of uh, the empress hangman year of 2019 and so I see the emperor as, you know, a stabilizing force, as a protector and provider. Um, that's what it's supposed to be, but that's not what is manifested in our current human civilization reality. Like we live in systems of oppression. We live in capitalism. We live in a hierarchy state where, you know, the emperor the state, the system is not about providing basic needs to all. We're seeing that resources are distributed equally as, as needed. Um, That's kind of my higher understanding of what the emperor is meant to be doing, what purpose uh, and job the emperor is supposed to be doing. So I see all of us experiencing this emperor year um, and like within a, 
the macrocosm of society that acts as an emperor, but acts as a shadow emperor. You know, Donald Trump, our president, who's currently being impeached and probably going to be acquitted, um, is a life card emperor. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a really blatant expression of the emperor misusing its power, the emperor uh, not developed to Mm -hmm. like, it's the role that it's supposed to be playing. Like, uh, so for us, all of our personal, personal work is like, how do we, uh, learn how to function in, you know, this reality and how, how do we move forward, like on our paths when there's so much externally that's sort of created to get in our way and kind of keep us in the status quo and keep us complicit in, you know, a society that's creates so much harm. Um, I got a really clear message last year when I was working at the end of 2019, I was working on this uh, cycles of evolution workbook. And, you know, the message that I got was that, you know, our society, the emperor exists to kind of uh, program us to be mental, emotional, and spiritual children who develop into physically mature beings, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we're not mature. And a lot of that's because we've have a lot of trauma and we've been programmed and conditioned to always um, defer and and submit to whoever's taking up space as the authority figure. Mm -hmm. So it's a clear message around like our work this year is to become as mature mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as we are physically. Um, so like the, the older you are, the more physically mature you are, the more responsibility we have to show up and to um, take power back from systems, to use our privilege to protect and provide for those in need. Um, that's sort of like the main call from the emperor that I see. Um, and it also gives a lot of you know, reminders that like, we don't have people acting out these roles um, in like mainstream leadership. So we don't have a lot of role models to go on. Like, I think that I'm totally pro Bernie Sanders. Um, That's the candidate that I am supporting in the US election this year. Um, And I would say that Bernie Sanders represents like a sort of new paradigm emperor, Mm -hmm. really contrasting the old paradigm that is Donald Trump, that is a ruling elite, um, exploiting the masses to maintain their power and their wealth. So maybe then our lesson that we're all going through in this emperor year is about standing in our power and becoming the protectors, becoming the people who look out for others, we have the opportunity through what we're seeing in this emperor year to also think about how we use our power for the good of all or for selfish reasons. That can be our initiation. I love that. Um, So one of the things that I'm a big fan of Rachel Pollack, she's got a book called 78 Degrees of Wisdom that's super, every tarot reader knows about it. And she wrote about gate cards. And she said that there are certain minor arcana, minor arcana cards that serve as a gateway. 
And these are, she said, um, they open up a path from the ordinary world to the inner level of archetypal experiences, which I think is so interesting because we're talking about the major, but she had these nine minors. And, you know, one of them is the Ten of Pentacles. So if we look at the Ten of Pentacles as a minor, as a gateway, or as an initiation, how might me, how might, how might we look at that as an initiation point? What would that be initiating us into? I just want I to see, rip off that. I see the tens as initiating us into the next phase, which is the court cards, which is mastery of each element. So I see the tens as sort of like, okay, from there we move into the 11 or the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tens as like portal to the wheel of fortune and, and the high highs and low points of the tens. Um, so like the 10 of cups and the 10 of pentacles are sort of like our ideal states of being and the 10 of swords and 10 of wands are like our least favorite, um, or like most tense states of being. Um, and the 10 of pentacles is sort of represents like, you know, the culmination of like this journey manifesting in like abundant resources for all you know that's sort of what I see in the picture is that like it's it's a community there's um you know elders and adults and children and animals and there's like like clearly like wealth displayed in that card you know and the the traditional imagery you know the rider weight is what comes to mind because that's the deck that I work with most um the rider weight and Morgan Greer so it has that sort of like um, medieval kingdom feel to it, but, you know, we can like upgrade that. I think of, you know, our, our real evolved relationship to resources is shared collective communal as opposed to this like individualist, like me and mine worldview that we've been really conditioned by in our culture. It's almost like the Ten of Pentacles is the um, positive side of the emperor when you think about it, with, with us being in an emperor year. Mm-hmm. You know, like that card shows that everybody's included, and the emperor can, you know, take on that role if we lean into that energy. Mm-hmm. I also think of the fours obvi- as obvious gates or portals to the emperor. And so working with the fours, um, can really help us understand like emperor themes in everyday life. Also working with the death card. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a four, a four. And um, I think of the Queens as the 13th minor arcana. I know everybody kind of has a different perspective when it comes to what major arcana cards, the court cards correspond to but i think of the queens as corresponding to um death and the emperor i love that because you know when you think about that it's like the real power then is the queen the hand mm-hmm. that rocks the cradle right and when you I and mean, when you put them all together and look at them all together it changes the whole mm-hmm. like our whole understanding of the emperor like you know we we just happen to be living in a really distorted expression Mm-hmm. of this archetype and it takes up so much space playing out that role of the oppressive abusive authority figure that has traumatized us all so deeply um in our punishment oriented mm-hmm. sort of society that 
um, is not supportive of life to grow and develop as it's meant to. It's really sort of like hijacking Mm -hmm. life to fulfill its own sort of selfish agenda. And my, my prediction that I'll say here is I think that those days are rapidly coming to a close and we're seeing, you know, a lot of people wanting to hang on to the old, but you know, they're going through an initiation too. And it's, it's scary sometimes to go through an initiation and that makes some people hold on much tighter, but change is on the way and we're all going to have to get ready for it. And I think we're going to be seeing a very different world over the next couple of years. I totally agree. So, and I just want to add some additional perspective, like the emperor sees, you know, this, this reality as we know it with the emperor sees like I control reality. Mm -hmm. Like we plan for the future Mm -hmm. and um, like, this is the bottom line and these are the numbers and death reminds us like we can't control reality, like the forces of nature, um, the, the truth about life and death is that like, we're not the ones in charge. (laughs) And, um, and so needing to restructure, you know, how we do life to recognize that like, we don't get to control that stuff. And I think that, you know, our tarot practice can really be, um, helpful and deprogramming from this idea that like we know we can know what's going to happen exactly and that we're we're going to be in control and nothing bad is ever going to happen and no one's going to get sick and die or lose their right. job or something it's sort of like when you when you release the patterns and conditions that you know the emperor taught us uh through like this is what life is and do do this and then good things will happen you'll be rewarded mm-hmm. um, and when we dare to actually live an authentic soul centered life, um, there is no plan that can really prevent <laughs> any difficulty from happening or any accident or, you know, mm-hmm. so just sort of like knowing that like we're not being punished. Um, and if we make a mistake and something bad happens, it's not our fault. There's, there's this reframing of reality that I've had to do um, mm-hmm. as someone who decided to take the path that I took and, and defy the status quo and be a tarot reader and a, and a full-time witch on the internet and an artist, you know, it's yeah. like, a five-year plan doesn't work the same way when you're on an unconventional life path, I guess. Oh my God. Yes. I've been doing my work for 30 years. So I totally know it is a very, very different plan that we have to have. And yeah, you were doing it before the internet and before we had tools to make it easier and to connect and to network and to support each other in defying conventions. So hats off to you and thanks. (laughs) thank you holding like you know I think of like the elders in these fields as like like we always have to be brave doing this work but Mm -hmm. you had to be so brave because it wasn't like socially acceptable in any way and it was different it was very different there were I got threatened a lot just for showing up with those cards yeah it's much different it's gotten a lot better much better. Well, and I really think the internet's done it. And also a lot of the younger readers now are making it so much more visible and showing people 
how they can use it in ways that I think are really helpful for people. Yeah. Well, we're all doing this together. Yes. And I love that. But also like all of us younger readers need to really like give thanks to the, the people that carried this archetype through um, the <laughs> crusades period of eliminating <laughs> any, any wisdom tradition that would maybe help us get through life. So. Well, thank you for that. And I want to thank you for joining me again. I love the way you think about tarot. I think you, um, you make me think, and I really like that. So I am really grateful that you joined me today. And Erin, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at fulltimewitch. And um, they can sign up for my newsletter. If you go to my website, Erin Aquarian. Dot com. You can sign up for my mailing list and I send out um, letters, spells uh, every couple weeks. And I also have some digital workbooks and offerings that are really accessible for folks. Like if they want to learn more about my tarot theory, I have a cycles of evolution workbook that helps you study the archetypes of 2010 to 2020 and, and do kind of personal work with those. So yeah, I'm working on creating like a body of really accessible work for people to engage with. And I love, um, when, when more people find me and reach out and yeah. Awesome. Oh, and I do lifetime, I do lifetime readings too, for anyone that wants to go super deep and make a larger investment into studying their life and year cards and so on. Well, I thank you for sharing all that and people please get over to Erin's world and be sure to follow her on Instagram, a full-time witch for more of her wisdom. And that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And you guys can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, Lots of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and plenty of other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful, magical day. And by the way, if you are digging this podcast, I would love it if you would do me a favor. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot-curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And as always, I love to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. And let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.